Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives today. And if it seems like we've talked about polls a lot in the last few days, it's, well, there's been a lot of polls out in the last few days. But perhaps the most eye-opening one, Jim, is the latest poll from Quinnipiac University uh, looking not only at Biden's overall approval rating, but how he stands on a variety of critical issues. And if you're Joe Biden, none of these numbers are good. If you're looking for uh, momentum for stopping his legislation or uh, hopefully setting the stage for better Republican results in 2022, these are excellent results, which is why it's in uh, the good martini. Overall, his approval rating, 38%. But let's get to the issues Response to the coronavirus, 48% approve, while 50% disapprove. It looks even, Stephen, which it pretty much is, but considering where he was on this just a couple of months ago, uh, it's a major drop. The economy, 39% approve, 55% disapprove. His uh, job as commander-in-chief of the military, 37% approve, 58% disapprove. Taxes, 37% approve, while 54% disapprove. That could be important here with this legislation. Foreign policy, 34 4% approve, while 58% disapprove. It's only getting worse. Immigration, 25% approve. Not sure who they are. While 67% disapprove. And the situation at the Mexican border, 23% approve, while 67% disapprove. 55% also think he's not competent or his administration's not competent enough to do the job. So, uh, Jim, you also point out in the morning jolt today uh, that not only are those numbers not going to help Biden push his agenda much, uh, he's also doing horribly in the two states that perhaps matter most, Arizona and West Virginia, where the holdout senators are. He has a uh, 39% approval rating in Arizona and 19% in West Virginia. So uh, I don't know how you spin those numbers, but uh, I like them. Yeah, the first thing that kind of comes to mind here, Greg, is that there really isn't a terribly bright spot for Joe Biden in these polls. I guess you could say the COVID-19 response is, is where he's doing best, but that's slightly underwater. And that had been his strong point, you know, well into positive territory for a good long time through all this. First of all, like you think back to August, um, or even kind of you know, late July, the fall of Kabul, and kind of the, the mood in the country and you know people really got soured on this but we heard from a bunch of allegedly smart analysts who are like look the only thing americans are going to remember about afghanistan is that joe biden got us out of there wait until this fades from the headlines joe biden's numbers are going to be fine got it well i think it's safe to say afghanistan is now largely out of the news daily news cycle uh, i certainly try to do my part good you know pretty much all of yesterday's morning jolt was about that but you know yeah by and large with the spending negotiations on Capitol Hill and a variety of other news stories going on. People just aren't paying attention to that. But lo and behold, Joe Biden's numbers have not rebounded. They have not gotten any better. And I think that, you know, because they defenders of Biden kept pointing to things like, oh, but, you know, Americans agree with withdrawal. One, they didn't agree with how we withdrew. And the second thing is, I kind of think this was handled so badly that it really kind of shattered Biden's pre-existing image as the trusted old hand uh, the voice, the force for stability and order in the world, Mr. Empathy, all these things. He just didn't live up to any of the hype that he was, all these qualities he was supposed to bring to the presidency. And I don't think you just rebound from that. I don't think that just goes away after a few weeks 
Um, I, I think this really may have, you know, shaped his, his image in the eyes of the American people in a seriously bad way. And as you said, just with those two states, earlier in the week, Biden went to Michigan for an event to kind of tout uh, both the bipartisan infrastructure bill and build back better or whatever they're calling it these days. And it was kind of odd because Debbie Stabenow and Gary Peters, the, the guy whose name sounds like an alias, um, just, you know, they're, they're already on board. There's, you know, it's not like there's any real pressure that needs you. Know, most of the, just about every Democrat in the, the Michigan House delegation is fine. They have slightly different ideas of what their priorities are. But like, if you were going to do it, traditionally, when the president goes out into the country and barnstorms and says, you know, we need to get this bill passed, usually he's trying to pressure particular holdouts. And thus you either go to or kind of in the neighborhood of those holdouts. That's not West Virginia. That's not Arizona. And as I noted in the, the approval ratings there, you know, Biden's job approval rating in Arizona is certainly nothing to write home about. And I don't think Chris, Kirsten Sinema is going to feel pressure if Biden says, you know, look at my approval rating in your state. Look at me. You know, you, Arizonans want this passed. It's not so clear. And then the second, West Virginia, they, they can't stand them there. So I, I think Joe Manchin's going to go, hey, I'm going to do what my state wants. I'm not going to, you know, change because you're going to pressure me. So I think the overall conclusion of poll numbers like this one is that Joe Biden really doesn't have any leverage anymore. And this is a really bad time for him to not have any leverage. But uh, it's good for us. Jim, what's 19% of three and a half trillion? Maybe that should be uh, Joe Manchin's <laughs> top line of... Uh, well, seven hundred billion, which is still seven hundred billion too much. But uh, uh, if I had a, if I was uh, reluctant to support legislation and saw that approval rating, I'll tell you my top line zero, which would make Charlie Cook very happy. That's been uh, his uh, mantra the whole time here. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, this is uh, not good for Biden, and it's not just that we're sitting here cheering on the Democratic president's unpopular. Well, no, we're happy about the fact that the American people are very much paying attention to the fact that he is really screwing up on a lot of critical issues from the border to obviously the situation in Afghanistan, but even the economy and the handling of the COVID situation. People are paying attention and that's good and they don't like what they see, which is also good. All right, let's talk about uh, another thing that's good, and that is ritual multivitamins. Look, we deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies all the time and why we're putting it in our bodies, and especially when it comes to something we take every day. Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms your body can actually use. You're not going to find, though, sugars, GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, artificial colors, None of that garbage is in there. What you will have uh, is great uh, vitamins as part of the multivitamin, plus the fresh taste and delayed release capsule design, making taking your vitamins easy. I've been taking Ritual multivitamins for a while now, and I'm very happy with them. Ritual is the multivitamin reimagined. A multivitamin should contain key nutrients and forms that your body can actually use to help fill gaps in your diet. And you don't want any shady extras. Ritual's delayed release capsule design delivers high quality nutrients, including vitamin D3, in just two daily pills. And Ritual is made traceable, which means you'll always know what nutrients you're taking and where they come from, thanks to Ritual's one of a kind visible supply chain. You need those key nutrients, so get them without all the crap. Ritual is offering three martini lunch listeners 10% off during your first three months as a customer. Visit ritual.com slash martini to start your ritual today. Again, that's ritual.com slash martini. 
All right, Jim, we mentioned in passing about how China's uh, kind of getting a free pass on the origins of the COVID outbreak uh, from this administration. They ordered the intelligence review and basically they punted and printed up everything we already knew and didn't really seem to dig much into it. But the Japan Times, as you report in today's Morning Jolt, uh, is also... Um, making it clear that it appears Biden just caved here. It says Biden appeared to bow to another Chinese demand that the U.S. stop tracing the origins of the COVID-19 virus, even though the world has a right to know if China caused the worst disaster of our time that has already killed more than four and a half million people worldwide. Biden announced on August 27th, 12 days after the fall of Kabul, that the intelligence inquiry he had initiated had ended, despite the fact that it failed to uncover the genesis of the pandemic. Xi's regime, uh, involved in perhaps one of the greatest cover-ups ever seen, doesn't appear to want the truth to come out. After all, if China's alleged negligence or complicity spawned the world's worst public health catastrophe in more than a century, it would constitute a crime against humanity. So, uh, Jim... I don't think the Japan Times is saying anything we haven't already said here, but perhaps no one is more concerned about China's uh, brashness, their saber rattling, their apparent immunity, uh, ironically, to any criticism of this than Japan, which is obviously kind of vulnerable in a, in a region where China is on the ascendance. You know, I, I was kind of surprised when I read that. And it, it, it's interesting, you know, we we don't always think about how these things are going to be perceived overseas, but the report comes out. They issue that page and a half summary, which tells absolutely nothing that that no that uh, anyone didn't already know. And you kind of figure that there would be some sort of you know emphatic statement from Biden administration, or you know this isn't over. We're going to keep looking. We're going to get to the bottom of this. We are not going to let this be a uh, you know an eternal mystery as to where this virus came from. We can't stop the next pandemic until we know how this pandemic started. And there really wasn't that statement. And you kind of figured that they would. And it's the government's been very tight-lipped about what the status of this investigation is. I'm sure there's somebody somewhere in the government still looking at this, but it's certainly, there are not a lot of indications that this is a high priority. Now, as I mentioned, also the World Health Organization um, is trying to restart its investigation and they're already looking for you know more experts, but this seems to be moving exceptionally slowly. And then the other aspect is that the Lancet, you know, which uh, famously announced, well, actually, we're not going to look anymore. We're just going to make general guidelines for lab safety uh, and, and things like that. So all these institutions whose job is to get to the bottom of this are kind of shrugging it off. And it just seems very, very weird and frustrating and, and you know, almost a dereliction of duty here. Well, Japan Times connects the dots. And I don't know if Biden has sent any signal to say, yeah, we're going to stop asking about this if you play ball with us on climate change or some other nonsense. But it really does seem interesting when you look at that, you look at the fact that Biden didn't really mention China in his UN address, didn't mention the Uyghurs. Like there, there, there are a whole bunch of areas where the Biden administration, which said they were going to get tough on China, unlike Trump, Boy, they got into office and they're acting like a bunch of pussycats. And I, I don't I don't know if there's been a quid for a quo here or it's just the ultimately pacifistic and or pro-China instincts of Joe Biden. Remember, pre-pandemic, Joe Biden was saying, you know, these guys aren't bad guys. We're not we're not in comp you know, like he he's always been a huge fan of greater trade and engagement with China. Um, so the idea that he was going to be the one who was going to stand up to Beijing has always been, you know, dubious. And now we're seeing the evidence in front of us. And it's it's the idea that the U.S. government would effectively drop its investigation into the cause of a global pandemic as some sort of diplomatic maneuver is a really horrifying thought, Greg. 
It's completely horrifying, but the question remains why. And you mentioned that, you know, he's kind of been a, a China uh, sympathizer, a Sinophile, if you will. You know, they're not bad folks, folks. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is an event that has completely disrupted the entire world for going on two years now. We know for a fact that they lied and dissembled and uh, gave out false information about the, the virus. And uh, the evidence is clearly piling up about how it actually uh, leaked out in the first place. And so I don't understand why the entire world, it's not just us, it's the UN and the WHO too, uh, willing to bury our heads in the sand. If it was somebody else, I don't think we'd have the same reaction. Greg, I have to speculate fear, you know, fear of the consequences of actually announcing to the world, yes, you know, this was a lab leak. And in today's Morning Jolt, I kind of lay out about how the proposal from uh, EcoHealth that uh, Drastic had found that basically describes uh, the idea of taking viruses in nature and, and you know, using gain-of-function research to make them, uh, you know, more dangerous, more, you know, really in the name of researching and preventing future pandemics. Um, boy, it sure looks an awful lot like what we have found with SARS-CoV-2 and the research was supposed to be done at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So, you know, again, is it smoking gun? No, but the coincidences just keep piling up higher and higher. And I just have this, you know, like it, it just seems extremely frustrating that this pandemic that has utterly disrupted our lives for the better part of two years is still... Uh, you know, people are it seems to be kind of shrugging their shoulders and accepting the idea of it becoming a uh, eternal mystery and, and never knowing what's going on and just having to learn to live with the fact that we just never are going to know, you know, what made this happen and why did why, why did so many people suffer the way they did? Well, we're going to pretend we don't know. <laughs> I think is what's going to happen here, which is just absolutely stunning. Anyway, let's get some rest after that. Martini, and for that, no better place to go than my pillow. We know about the pillows, the towels, the slippers, all fantastic, but there's also nothing better than slipping into bed with soft, comfortable sheets at the end of a very long day. And now my pillow wants you to sleep better with their Giza Dream Sheets. We love the Giza Dream Sheets. They're soft, they're comfortable. Uh, we pretty much have them on the bed all the time because we wash them and put them right back on. And now you can get them at a great discount because when you use our promo code Martini at mypillow.com, for a limited time, you can buy one and get one free on any set of Giza Dream Sheets. Imagine sliding into the most comfortable sheets you will ever own, guaranteed. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. The long staple cotton makes these sheets ultra soft and breathable. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes. The sheets are machine washable, and they come with a 60-day money-back guarantee, as well as a one-year limited warranty. For a limited time, you can buy one, get one free, again, on all Giza Dream Sheets. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104 and find deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, the MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Do not miss this sale of the year. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. All right, Jim, it was just, I don't know, a week or two ago, I guess, we were talking about uh, the efforts 
of the U.S. and our allies to deter Chinese aggression. Not officially, but it's the real reason for the nuclear submarine deal involving the United States, uh, the United Kingdom, and Australia. And, of course, the ones left out in the cold on that deal were the French, because the Australians canceled their existing submarine deal with the French. That led the French to recalling their ambassador to the United States, and I think the other countries as well, at least temporarily. Um, and... It's a pretty big story. You'd think most people, if they pay attention to the news, heard about it. We certainly did. A lot of our listeners did as well, especially if they listened to us. Apparently not the president of the United States, though, because John Kerry, who is a former secretary of state, but now is our climate envoy or something like that, uh, was talking to, I believe, French media about the situation. And uh, his explanation uh, was that uh, Joe Biden had no idea whatsoever that the French were upset. Listen here. And uh, President Biden asked me about it, and I told him and expressed. Uh, you told Joe Biden that it was not the right. He asked me. He said, "What's the situation?" And I explained exactly. Uh, he was. He had not been aware of that. He literally had not been aware of what had transpired. And I don't want to go into the details of it, but suffice it to say that uh, that the president, uh, uh, my president, is very committed to. Um, uh, strengthening the relationship and making sure that this is a small event of the past and moving on to the much more important future. So the president didn't know. I don't know what Kerry intended to convey there, but he clearly conveyed that uh, Biden doesn't really know what's going on. So, of course, that question comes up yesterday at the White House press briefing. And uh, Jen Psaki, uh, her response is essentially, yeah, everything you just heard very clearly from John Kerry is clearly not what he meant. You said this, this president's first love is foreign policy. So why doesn't he know about these things in real time? Of course, he knew about the French being displeased. John about Kerry's let me finish. Literally, had not been aware. Peter, I would encourage you to ask John Kerry specifically about the context of his comments. The president and, John, and, and the former secretary are also good friends. Uh, he relies on his counsel, uh, and as he does with many members of his national security team. But that certainly is not what he was intending to convey. So there you go, Jim. Who are you going to believe, uh, her or your lion ears? I was going to say that's kind of Jen Psaki's job every day is to say, no, no, that reality you just witnessed is not actually reality. You know, uh, don't worry. It's totally different. It's, you know, you didn't hear what you just heard. You didn't see what you just saw. You know, reality is an illusion. Trust me and only me. You know, but I think what's more is like I, I, there's two possible interpretations of what John Kerry was saying. One is that he's describing it accurately. Uh, and that, you know, Joe Biden and, and presumably the other people in his administration just had no idea that announcing the submarine deal with the United Kingdom and Australia was going to upset the French so much. This doesn't speak very well of them. That suggests that they're kind of obliviously blundering their way through this and that they aren't really, you know, doing kind of the, you know, the due diligence, you know, the attention to detail. I think one of, when this submarine deal went down, there were some foreign policy analysts who said that what really PO'd the French was that they were caught blindsided by this. And that if they had, you know, gotten the phone call ahead and said, look, this is the deal we're doing with you guys. Maybe we'll get you in on the next one. Like, like you, you can soften the blow if people feel like you're you're taking their opinion into interview and all that stuff. And this is this is if not the job of the president, then it's definitely the job of the secretary of state. And listeners know how just thrilled and wowed we are by Anthony Blinken these days. Um <laughs> But this does kind of play into the questions of Biden and his age and his memory and his insistence that he doesn't remember anyone telling him uh, that he should keep 2,500 2, troops in Afghanistan. 
Uh, look, we have reason to kind of wonder, you know, how how sharp is the president these days? How how good is his memory? How is he doing in this job? And you know, Kerry saying, look, he had no idea. You know that 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 kind of plays into that. The other stronger possibility is that this is John Kerry being John Kerry and effectively freelancing. Apparently, when he was Secretary of State, he was notorious for this, and basically telling stories that are let's just say exaggerated, in which John Kerry is the smartest man in the room and everyone else is incompetent and no one else can ever do anything right. What would they do if they didn't have John Kerry? In other words, this is a you know runaway ego narcissist telling French television a version of events that makes John Kerry the hero of things. Uh, you know, that certainly seems like a very strong possibility, but that's like, this also raises the question of like, John Kerry was off retired. Why did you make him the special presidential envoy to, for climate change? And why, and I think also like the, the other kind of last aspect of this, John Kerry, you know, ran for president in 2004. I guess you could say came within one or two states of, uh, I guess, flipping Ohio, and that might have made uh, Kerry the president. Um, and, you know, clearly he holds, you know, George W. Bush in contempt, and he can't believe they didn't beat that guy and all that kind of stuff. And it's one thing if, you know, Bill Clinton becomes president. It's another thing if Barack Obama becomes president. But if you're John Kerry, and Joe Biden managed to become president. I mean, like deep down, don't you, isn't it obvious that John Kerry thinks Joe Biden is kind of a drooling imbecile? And I can hear the listeners out there saying, huh, I've never really agreed with John Kerry before. Um, but just the idea of like, they've been there with the Senate together for a lot of years, you know, both on foreign relations committee, both on, you know, they must know each other really, really well. And I can't help but suspect that John Kerry looks, looks at Joe Biden and says, man, that guy is, how did that guy end up in the Oval Office and I couldn't? God, you know, life is just so unfair. So I kind of wonder if there's this like this passive aggressive bad relationship between John Kerry and Joe Biden. It might be something worth keeping an eye on as the uh, uh, as the administration's time in office continues. I just imagine John Kerry walking into any room and going, I wonder who the second smartest person is here. <laughs> Teresa. <laughs> Jim, uh, Washington is full of people who love the sound of their own voice. Is, is there anyone who loves it more than him? Would that it were, Greg. Would that it were. No, I think you're right. I think, you know, here's like the irony is, is that like I can't stand him, but I also, John Kerry running for president in 2004 was really good for my career, starting back with the Kerry spot. And two, like he's such a classic snobby buffoonish character that if he didn't exist, we'd have to invent him. And he just is like so perfectly easy to make fun of. And he's always stepping on rakes and he's always oblivious to it. He's having, we had James Taylor come to serenade the front. Like he's just this walking stereotype. Um, and for that sense, I'm kind of happy to see him back in government service just to make fun of him. Where I got the clip of, of Carrie at the end of that clip is an excerpt from James Taylor playing You've Got a Friend for the French after the Charlie Hebdo terrorist attack. And the only clip they used is nothing. Oh, nothing's going right. Uh, which is kind of uh, <laughs> emblematic of this administration right now. So anyway, Jim, happy Thursday. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast and tell your friends about us as well. We are very grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. You can find us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Thursday and please join us again tomorrow for the Friday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. And nothing Oh, nothing is going right. 
Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit DanaRadio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.